0: So many closed doors. Like the disciples who were locked away in the upper room after Jesus' death, we too might feel that all hope is lost in this present time. But on this morning, on this morning, the stone that sealed the tomb where Jesus was laid to rest didn't sit idle. And as it broke free from its resting place, Jesus conquered death itself. Good morning, Christchurch. So glad to be with you in worship this morning. I'm Pastor Andrew, one of the pastors here at Christchurch. Christchurch is a church about lifting lives, elevating Christ, a church for those who aren't here yet. Thanks for joining us this morning in worship. We're into a sermon series that we've entitled, we've entitled it, The Living Room Easter. We started at Easter Sunday, and we've been examining ever since the resurrection story. We've been seeing how at that very first Easter, so long ago, in fact, the disciples were in their living rooms, and they were experiencing Jesus coming to them and and revealing himself resurrected and alive. And so we've been taking these past couple weeks looking at those resurrection narratives, those resurrection stories, as people encounter Jesus alive once more. All of the stories that we've been focused on have been happening within the gospel of John. A gospel is a firsthand eyewitness account of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's got to do with Jesus and specifically his death and resurrection. And so in this particular gospel, it has its own flavor, its own characteristics. And the flavor and characteristics of John is, has to do with individuals, real people like you and like me who encounter Jesus, their thoughts, their emotions, and their stories when they meet Jesus risen and resurrected again. The Gospel of John is up close and personal when you look at Jesus and the resurrection. And so the stories that we've been looking at have to have been covering all sorts of individuals. This morning is no different. We are going to be picking up where we left off last week. And so it's important actually to kind of bring you up to speed on where we were so far in the story. Jesus has died. Jesus has resurrected. And he's begun appearing to his disciples. And although at first he appeared to them in their living rooms, the story has now moved beyond the living room as some of the disciples have gone back to their home area in the home region near the Sea of Galilee so let's talk about the context we're picking up in this morning The disciples traveled back to where they originally lived, the Sea of Galilee. There's a handful of them, not all 12, but a good group. And they've gone back and reverted to some old behaviors, old creature comforts and habits that they're accustomed to. A lot of these guys were fishermen before Jesus showed up and changed their lives. And so they went back to fishing. It's what they knew. It's what they were comfortable with. And so they spent all night out in the boat fishing, fishing, fishing. They caught squat absolutely nada, not a single fish. It's one of those moments you pull out the net and there's a boot in the net, okay? It's kind of like one of those kind of nights. And all of a sudden, as day is breaking, they've decided to throw in the towel. They've said, forget it. We're done fishing for the night. We'll try again later. They look to the shoreline and there's an individual there who says, try one more time. What the heck? All right, we'll give it a whirl. They throw out their nets. Lo and behold, fish, lots and lots of fish, so many fish that they have a hard time pulling the nets actually into the boat. They realize the individual on the beach is not just your average Joe. No, this is another moment, a miraculous miracle moment that reveals Jesus Christ is once again among them. Jesus shows up on that shoreline. The disciples are so excited that, in fact, one of them, Peter, jumps in the water and runs to the shore. Jesus is waiting there, ready to hang out, ready to spend quality time with these men that he cherishes, these men that he loves. There's a a fire going, and he's got a little barbecue of fish, There's some warm baked bread on a rock waiting for them. And it's this total moment of hanging out and having breakfast with Jesus on the beach. It's totally bro time. I can picture them throwing a frisbee and laughing and joking and just simply finding some rest and excitement and joy. You have to remember the bigger context at hand has a lot to do with their confusion. It has a lot to do with changing circumstances. Not really grasping everything that's going on. But in this specific moment, there's an oasis that's carved out as they experience Jesus alive and in their midst once again. They're sitting back, relaxing, and enjoying Jesus alive. It's at this particular moment that Jesus takes the conversation and the story in a little bit of a new direction. Let me show you what I mean. After breakfast, Jesus asked one of the disciples, Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know that I love you. Then feed my lambs. Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? (laughs) Not surprisingly, Peter is hurt that Jesus would have asked that question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. What's up with this story? (laughs) What is Jesus doing? They're hanging out, having this great moment, and all of a sudden Jesus targets and zeroes in on Peter. Starts pelting him with these questions. Why? To understand this story, you need to understand Peter's personal story. The backstory of this character Simon Peter's son of John. The backstory of Peter is so incredibly important because it helps us reinterpret and understand what's really happening. Peter is kind of a likable guy in the Gospels. In many ways, Peter is is that guy who's larger than life, he's loud, uh, quick to speak, slow to listen. He's got a lot of emotion. He's got a lot of passion. He's got a ton of zeal. He's that guy who's out in front, jumping up and down, saying, rah, 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 here we go. He's someone that Jesus looks to and sees as being a character that is essential for the future of the church, the future of the world. Peter is this guy who's got so much enthusiasm, excitement, that he wears his heart on his sleeves. He lets it all kind of hang out. Numerous times throughout the gospel, there are moments where Jesus will ask a question, and Peter is the first to answer. Whether good or bad, whether right or wrong, Peter is quick to share his thoughts and his opinions on the matter. Sadly, that also gets Peter in a little bit of trouble. You see, as much as Peter has this enthusiasm and excitement, there are moments when Peter makes some pretty big claims where he lets his mouth run a little bit and he makes some pretty big boasts. He gets a little prideful. There's one particular moment where Jesus, with his disciples, tells them that the future for Jesus is going to be difficult. Jesus is going to be betrayed, he's going to be arrested, he's going to be killed. He says that everybody is going to abandon him and leave him and forsake him. The world is going to turn against him. He's speaking of the cross. Peter who hears this says, no, 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 Jesus, not me, man. All these other guys might leave you, but I'm not. I'm with you to the end. I'm going all the way with you, Jesus. I am going to be there no matter what, Jesus. I would give my life for you, Jesus. A pretty big claim. Pretty bold. A little boastful. And as it happens... Jesus responds to this big, bold claim by saying, Peter, before I actually die upon that cross, you are going to abandon me, not just once, but three times. In Christian churches, we refer to this as Peter's denial, that three times... Peter is going to deny knowing Jesus, following Jesus, three times. He's going to go back on his word and promise. The first time it occurs is with a bunch of burly looking soldiers, probably with armor and spears, and, and, and they make an assertion to Peter saying, hey, aren't, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? Now, bear in mind, at that exact moment when they're challenging Peter, Jesus has been arrested. Jesus is on trial. It doesn't look good for Jesus here on out. Peter is concerned and confused and overwhelmed. No, man, I don't know the guy. I don't know this Jesus guy. No, wrong, 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 nope, uh-uh. And he runs away. It happens a second time. where another group of people. Aren't, aren't you that guy, Peter, who follows Jesus? No, not me. It happens a third time where a little serving girl intimidates Peter to such a degree. Hey, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? Yeah, you sound like him. You talk like him, like you're from up north. No, no, not me. No, I'm not from Galilee. No way. Don't know Jesus at all. And then it hits him. Just as Jesus predicted three times, Peter denies him three times. The weight and the concern come crashing down on him. The awareness and the revelation of, my goodness, what did I just do? It's too much for Peter. He runs off into a dark alley, sits down, and just begins to bawl crying and crying. A grown man where his emotions take over and all he is left with is tears. Fast forward to sitting on the beach now with Jesus. Jesus, in the midst of the laughter and the fun and the frisbee, leans forward and says, Hey, Peter, you remember when you said you wouldn't leave me like all of these guys? Remember when you said you would love me more than them? Awkward? I mean, you want to talk about like an awkward moment? That would be it. You've had awkward moments before, right? You guys remember the awkward turtle thing? That was big when I was growing up. I don't know if anybody remembers this. Awkward turtle? Where it's this awkward situation, you just don't know what to do, nobody knows what to say. We have other phrases that try to capture this. The elephant in the room, uh, when you have to clear the air. I've got a good friend who, who refers to the bloody rhinoceros head. It's a bit more colorful, but it gets the message across. You cannot ignore it when somebody has something so significant, you've got to address the situation at hand demands that you address the elephant in the room. For Peter, for Peter, the elephant in the room has to do with the gap in his life, the gap that's been created between him and Jesus, the gap that's been created between Peter and the other disciples, relational gaps. World gaps, as the world isn't what Peter thought it was going to be. Gaps, and lots of gaps. Let me put it to you like this. There is a moment in time in this story where Jesus leans forward and calls Peter to account for the gap between what Peter said and what Peter said did there's a gap between who peter was and who peter aspired to be you guys can probably empathize with that having gaps in your life i know i can Moments in time where there is a difference between who I am and who I wish I was. Moments in time where there's a difference between the world as it is and the way in which I wish the world was. Gaps between the way my family is and what I hope for my family. Gaps. Let me put it to you like this. Right now, we live in a really weird world. Frankly, a very difficult world, a challenging world that is taking us through a whole myriad of new experiences and challenges. We're dealing with things that we've never thought of before. We have genuine concern, lots of emotion. We feel overwhelmed, we feel stressed, We're concerned about our jobs, if we have a job, how to get a job, how do I keep my job. We're concerned not only for our employer, but for our employees, for our coworkers. We're concerned for our children and their well-being. We're trying to figure out how to work full-time as well as be a teacher full-time. We're dealing with the reality of concern and health and well-being for ourselves, for our family, for our parents, for our grandparents. It's overwhelming and confusing, and as Melissa said earlier in the service, it's chaotic as things keep changing so quickly. And what do we do? We take to social media. That's what we do. You want to look for gaps between who we are and who we aspire to be? Look no further. The reality is is that with our stress and our concerns and our frustrations, There's been a lot of times lately in my life, and I'm going to guess in your life, where I've been more short-fused. I have less patience, a little more ill-tempered. I'm a little angry, bitter bear, as the things that I expect and hope and aspire to be real simply aren't. It's caused difficulties in relationship. It causes difficulties in our marriages. It causes difficulty in how we relate to our kids. It causes gaps between who we are and who we wish we were. And we can feel it so profoundly right now. Peter is no different. Peter is confronted by Jesus with the gap between who he is and what he's done and what he had hoped for, and who he aspired to be. Jesus' response is telling. He looks at Peter, and he says, Peter, don't you dare ever deny me ever again. No, 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 that's not what he said, okay? Like, JK, just kidding. We just read it a couple minutes. That's not what he said. Read your Bibles, uh, and you'll find that's not what he says. No, Jesus actually does something absolutely spectacular, radical, loving. You see, as much as Jesus is willing to wade into the moment at hand and work to help Peter come to a place of recognizing the gap, he gives Peter the opportunity for, well, confession. That's what confession is. Confession is coming to grips with the gaps in our lives. But in so much as Peter has now confessed, Lord, you know everything, including, Lord, that I have not loved you perfectly. That's what Peter says. Jesus' response is not condemnation. It's something totally different. The theological word that we use is absolution. Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, it's never been about you becoming who you think you should be for me. This has always been about you becoming who I aspire you to be. Peter, this is about you becoming the shepherd that I designed and gifted and have called you to become. This is about you becoming someone who will change the the face of the earth. Peter, this is about you getting to become the person that I have always hoped and dreamed myself that you would become. Peter, you are loved, you are forgiven and you are invited to still become the person that I desire and have made you to be. Don't give up, Peter. Be who I made you to be, Peter. It's a powerful word, and it's meant for you as well. That the plans and the purposes, the design and the desires, the hopes and the aspirations of the living God for your life are what he is continually inviting you into. He forgives the past. And out of love, he looks at you with possibility and hope that you too can change the face of this world as you become one of his sheep, as you become one who influences others for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Just like Peter, you get to explore and become the person God has always called and always intended for you to be. You get to be is, and all that that entails. Commentaries talk about this experience with Peter as the moment of reinstatement or the moment of restoration, where Peter is restored, not only to right relationship with Jesus, not only also to right relationship with the other disciples but a moment where he is restored to the future that Jesus has always had in store. From this moment on, Peter will become one of the greatest figures in the world. He will change and shape the future of God's kingdom on earth made real in the church. Peter will go on to proclaim and profess Jesus Christ risen, resurrected, forgiving. And he will be then the one to share with others how God has plans and futures for them, for you. And just as Jesus invited Peter, Peter invites others to see and explore and become the people that God has invited and dreamed them to be. That invitation, that absolution, the forgiveness of the past and the promise of the future has been handed down literally from generation to generation of Christians to this exact moment where once again, Jesus speaks today to those who would hear, to those who would listen, that you are loved. You're cherished. You're forgiven. The past is the past. And you can walk into the future becoming more fully each and every day the person that Jesus desires, designs, aspires you to be. (laughs) You see, this story has less to do with Peter becoming who Peter wants to become and more the invitation that we would be the people that Jesus, Jesus aspires us to be. The sheep of his pasture the shepherds that care and steward and love others, the children of the living God and followers of Jesus, his disciples. The invitation for you today is no different. To confess the gaps in your life and hear once again Jesus' invitation to both forgiveness and a future where you become the person he always dreamed, desired, and designed you to be. Let's prepare our hearts for that moment of confession and absolution by joining in prayer. Let's close in prayer together. Gracious Lord, we give you thanks, and we give you our praise that in this story we could once again see ourselves We could be honest about the fears, the concerns, just like Peter, we could be honest about the emotions and the challenges that we face in our life and the moments where we have not perfectly loved you and not perfectly loved our neighbor. We confess this and acknowledge this and seek to do so in a way that honors you and leads us to a word of absolution. Thank you that your future is still out in front of us and that you beckon us, you call us, you inspire us to become the people you always dreamed and desired we'd be. Lead us onward to be the Christian men and women who, like Peter, pour out your love and your grace and that invitation to more and more people. I ask this. And I pray this according to the grace and the forgiveness and the love, the future that is found in the risen Jesus Christ. Amen.